Good afternoon, everyone. Please be seated. This is Judge Stickelter on the record in Prime Court Technologies, case number 
uh, business organizational structure, capital structure, uh, the key events that led to these changes, as well as the major events that have happened thus far in the cases. It provides an overview of the plan, including the classification and treatment of claims of interest. It outlines the potential risk factors associated with the plan, and also includes a liquidation analysis, demonstrating the difference between recoveries under this plan versus a hypothetical Chapter 7. That we filed our liquidation analysis today <coughs> at Docket Number 253. Does Your Honor have a copy? I, I do. Okay. Uh, it also includes an explanation of the plan structure, uh, including what I'll call the one and a half or two and a half hobbles, rather. So, specifically, there are a number of restructuring events that are possible under the plan, and the first is a sales transaction, which would be consummated outside of the plan pursuant to 363. And then the plan administrator would then wind down the retail estate. Uh, there's also the possibility of a reorganization transaction where a third party makes a capital contribution in exchange for 100% of the equity interest of reorganized debtors. And if those two fail or are not consummated, uh, the plan would then toggle to a straight liquidation. The disclosure statement also includes a description of the risk and equity releases under the plan. And just to sort of put on the record, um, it, former directors and officers are not terminated parties under the plan. Um, and with certain exceptions, current directors and officers are also not released parties. Um, and those are current directors and officers are not released with respect to what we're calling 98F wallet causes of action or avoidance, action other, avoidance actions other than those related to ordinary course benefits and wages. Um, but current directors and officers are exculpated under the plan. Um, the disclosure statement also includes the disclosure who qualifies as a releasing party, as well as the opt-out procedures. And um, under those, uh, all parties can opt out of the releases. The voting parties can check the opt-out box on the, the ballot, and the non-voting creditors list includes a box as well. So those parties can either file a formal objection to the interest with the court, or they can just check that box and return it to the claims agent. And of course, you know, voting parties can also file formal objections right. with respect. Um, Your Honor, um, turning to objections and, and informal comments, many of them, they fell into two buckets in my mind, disclosure objections and confirmation objections. And I believe we've re resolved most, if not all, of the disclosure objections through language of the plan and disclosure statement. Um, the disclosure objections were focusing primarily on maintaining the status quo established under the final cash management order and including information regarding the debtor's investigation uh, and when it will be completed and also available insurance. Um, and we, we've made changes to, to the extent we could to the plan disclosure statement. And I'll just put into the record where they are. In the disclosure statement, it's section uh, 6 through 4 and 7, 8, 6a. You and think there's something what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear in, that. In, our, in Article 6.9 oh. as well. I think I've just gotten right before court. Uh, so, Your Honor, with respect to the detail that we provided about the investigation, I expect folks are going to be unhappy. They, they would like more. But what I'll say is that you know, we are investigating the 98F wallet issues as well as the property of the estate issues as quickly as we can. These are very complicated issues. We are being as thoughtful. Um, as we can, and 
fact that the agenda, either at this time we have nothing more to report than what's in the disclosure statement, or we cannot report more because it would jeopardize the investigation. So what we try to do is balance you know, the disclosures against where we are in the investigation. Um, and in terms of when it will be completed, you know, we are taking a very thoughtful, careful approach. So at this time, I don't have an update as to when those matters will be completed, either one of them. But we're working as quickly as we can. We're receiving 2004 notices. Um, I believe we're going to file a 2004 notice today. Um, perhaps it's an important time, so we can have it heard on the 18th. Uh, but this is our next hearing. So, but you know, we're, we're doing what we can, but we don't have a definitive outside date. Um, and then the well, let me ask you um, if you discovered information that you could share, would you? file like a supplement Absolutely. if you had it prior to the plan supplement? Yes, yes. If we have, I believe what I usually do in these cases is I file a sort of a supplement to the disclosure statement at the time or of the plan supplement um, that explains the changes from the old, like from the right. disclosure statement that was solicited. And of course, we only anticipate recovery getting better, not worse, than the Senate on file or that was been on file later today. Maybe I should hear from objectors. I don't even know who's a live ob objection right now. I'm sorry, what? I don't even know who are live objections right now. Um, I believe we have, uh, I can run through what I believe has happened. I believe that we have resolved Allegheny Cavalcade's um, objection by including the other secured claim class, which was inadvertently left out. Um, with respect to PP Labs, I believe we have resolved their disclosure objection by um, including language in 2.4 of the plan, um, but that they might want to just put something on the record with respect to their reservation of rights to confirmation. And uh, plaintiffs with a joinder to PP Labs, I'm not sure. Um, I think they still have concerns about the disclosures with respect to the investigation, as far as I know. And then anchor point, we've made a number of changes to the plan to address their concerns, and uh, we did send Yeah, parties could just let me know where we stand. Well, I'd like to start with the objection, and then I'm assuming that you're in line with the debtor in the response. Okay. So why don't 
why don't we hear from objectors who can maybe can respond together with the debtor? And let's take an issue, you know, objector at a time. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Marcia Good afternoon. Hotline Pepper, Hamilton Sanders, on behalf of Intercoin. Um, Intercoin did file an objection at docket number 221, and specifically we raised three objections to the disclosure statement. Um, our first objection was that the initial disclosure statement didn't mention any of the resolutions reached in the final tax management order. Um, there is language that has been added in 2.4 of the plan to address that the customer account funds won't be used for transfers. Um, and so we might have a tweak or two here or there um, in the plan, but we're still in active discussions with debtors council. Um, and we're comfortable at this point in proceeding and just reserve on that for confirmation. Our second objection was that there wasn't adequate information with respect to claims that were being released for available insurance. Um, the debtors did address the DNL insurance and added additional disclosures there. But with respect to estate claims that are being released, um, that still an open issue from our perspective, um, which ties directly into our third objection, which is that the debtor's current directors and officers um, should not be released from any estate or third-party claims or causes of action. And it's our understanding from debtor's counsel, um, as was previewed, that the debtors are proposing to release current directors and officers with respect to claims except for the defined non-release DNL claims. Um, but the plan and disclosure statement we find are very confusing on this point. Nowhere in the definition of release parties are the current directors listed, but then the end of the definition says, quote, notwithstanding the foregoing, the directors and officers against whom the debtors hold non-release DNL claims as of the petition date shall not be release parties under the plan. Um, but as noted, that definition of release parties only, only includes eight separate parties and none of them are the current DNOs. Um, so it's our position that the plan and disclosure statement needs to be amended to make clear exactly what releases the debtors are proposing to grant to current directors and officers, um, except with respect to those non-release DNO claims. And then coupling on to the end of this, um, the disclosure statement um, in our position lacks adequate information as to what value, what claims are being released for current DNOs, what the value of those claims are, um, as well as what the contribution is that the DNOs are making in exchange for those releases. Um, we understand that there are ongoing investigations, but there's no other discussion of what these claims might be, what their value are, and it's really not adequate information to provide voting creditors with a reasonable understanding of what the plan is doing um, and you know, to make an informed judgment as to how to vote on the plan. Therefore, we would respectfully request that the court require an amendment to the disclosure statement to add sufficient information regarding what claims are being released, and estimated value, and what contribution is being made in exchange. Um, and then just with respect to confirmation, we reserve the right um, to bring any confirmation objections related to the third party and any planned debtor releases. Um, and with that, Your Honor, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Um, no, but I'd like to hear from the debtor and the committee of their position. And I know you were just getting documents, so I don't know if you heard the end of that. Um, Your Honor, so a couple of things. Mr. Dennis, well, uh, Mr. Solberg told me that I may have misstated uh, the scope of the releases for the current directors and officers. They are not release parties with protection by DHS wallet causes of action. Let me make that clear. Um, so I have the, the red lines now. Um, may I approach? Certainly.
Is this just um, a black line of edits since this morning? The red light you just gave me? The black line of the plan. Okay, right, okay. Yes. The non-colored line. Um, the added language at the end of section uh, 6.9 that also describes, you know, the scope of the releases and it covers that they're not being released except for, for avoidance actions, except for ordinary course wages, and it's not something a little bit at risk here. My partner's been doing the language. So I may get this wrong, and he will come up and tell me where I have it wrong. But I think these folks have not been sleeping for days. Uh, to, to it's been a lot of hard work, and we're just looking at the language now. I think it's really important to understand that unlike so many other cases that we do here, where the releases are everyone and their affiliated people, and then their affiliates, and their affiliates, and so on and so on, the releases that have been negotiated here are very, very, very narrow. Okay? And so what we're talking about in terms of what's easy in lots of other cases, everyone's released. Here, it's like almost no one's released. And whatever investigation is yielding will, whatever values are treated as a result of that. And as Ms. Kandensky said, said, if between now and we get to the plan supplement time, there's more information that's yielded, that will be made available to everyone. So it's the subversion, I think, of the fact that it's a little more complicated because it's the very few people that are being released that would trail the definition around to figure that out. 
but it's really the people who are working on the bankruptcy case. It's really the people who are on the special committee, right? Um, and not that much more. So are there people who are at the company who are no longer there? No releases. Anybody related to the 98F issue? No releases. Any individual claims that creditors have? No releases. We can't really delineate all of those people because it's sort of everybody. It's almost, so I'm, I, I don't know if that's really where the confusion lies as to why somebody might say there's not enough disclosure. There is enough disclosure, it's that there's not a lot of releases going on here. And that's probably what, and I think that's what this new language, I'm just reading for the first time because we're working very fast. Right, I understand. Effective defense. Maybe, maybe Anchor Point's counsel, I think she just got opportunity to look at it. So maybe. Can I stop for a second? Yes, certainly. Okay, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, excuse me, does that resolve all of Anchor Coin's issues, understanding that you're reserving rights for confirmation hearing? I guess um, I'm a little concerned with the ongoing investigation. What would it be, what, what information would you contemplate could be provided that would answer your question in light of the fact that it's an ongoing investigation? I mean, I heard the point about that there, if there could be a supplement, there would be a supplement in advance of this. Um, well, I guess it was discussed as part of the plan supplement. I think that it would need to be somewhat in advance of the voting deadline. Um, don't worry, I have an issue with the, the <laughs> plan supplement date. It's not compliant with the local rules. So. And, um, and so I think that would give us some comfort, but I understand that there's confidentiality since there's an ongoing investigation, but there's really there's really no basis for a creditor to read that one sentence and understand what they may or may not be giving up by accepting or rejecting the plan. Um, and so I think there just needs to be some kind of, like, no, I mean, if, say there's an investigation,
Well, let me, I want to resolve the one outstanding issue here. Um, since we're claiming mid-objection. So is there any additional information that could be provided with respect to investigations? What happens if you have nothing available at the time of the confirmation hearing? That's, that's one of my overall arch, arching concerns here. And I appreciate um, comments that were made to me at the prior hearing about these types of cases um, lose money and they need to run on a parallel track. Um, but as a consequence of that, you don't have the information that you might otherwise have available if you were waiting a couple of weeks. But I don't know if that means weeks or months or years for an investigation. Your Honor, I think that you know it's not out of the realm of possibility. In this case or other cases, that an investigation goes into the post-effective date timeline. Um, you know, we'll know what we'll have an update when we see the amended disclosure statement supplement. But um, you know, it can go two ways, right? We get access to the 98 as well. Of course, 
exactly what it is I'm getting, how I'm getting it, what it's worth. When you're in a transitional plan, where we're using the means of Chapter 11 to wrap up in a very cost-effective, efficient, and value accretive for the creditors, and we don't yet know those things, respectfully, Your Honor, nobody knows what's in it, how it's going to be, where it's going to go, because that's not the nature of the plan, that's not the nature of our case. We can't lick our fingers, stick it up in the air, and know how these things go, because we don't know the answer to those questions, and sit there and say, well, we can't get a disclosure statement up to you, and people won't know how to vote on whether or not wrapping it up is the better way to go. I don't think that's what 1125 does in this context. Granted, in the other context, but that's not us here. Your Honor, I had a few words that I wanted to say about it, about the planning that we'll be doing today, but I wanted to address that particular issue. Okay. Is it now a good time? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, thank you. The committee's position for purposes of today, we filed a reservation of rights. And we have no issue with the relief requested by the debtors today. And in saying that, I want to acknowledge something, too. These folks have worked awfully hard. And they have met us more than halfway to accommodate the committee's informational needs, negotiating requests, make concessions, achieve a deal that I think, from a plan perspective, we're almost there. Okay, I'm incredibly thankful and I'm honored to have worked with them because they did a great job. And the board as well, as a professional perspective. We're not today on board with the plan. And that's not that there's things in the plan that are making us uncomfortable. It's that this case is moving extremely quickly for reasons that have to do with, as I just mentioned before, we're not reorganizing, rebuilding our business. We're letting sale process and we're wrapping up the case. But it's kind of the old novel theory, which was below the surface of the water. You know, you write a good novel, it's only a little bit leaky, but it's below the surface. This is complicated. This is a complicated case. And this company historically operated in a complicated and important way in a rather large IPT ecosystem. And we're trying to get to all of that stuff here. And there's an M&A process going on. We think we're going to be supported, and we think that we'll be in a position to announce that support very quickly, maybe a week or two. But we're not there just today. We have some deciding down that we have to do just yet. We provided debtors' counsel with a draft of a letter of support, you know, the typical creditors' committee letter of support. I do not believe it's been presented to your honors for approval. My understanding of the way that we've been operating under this is that, first off, I don't have authority to release that letter or authorize the debtor to release it to creditors just yet. We're working to achieve that. And I understand from the debtors' perspective that their view would be that the letter, since they have signed off, I believe, on the letter of form, would be acceptable from their perspective. I just don't want to be in an 1125 risk of having either we submit that letter directly or the debtor do it without your honor having the opportunity to do it. I've certainly been involved in cases before many judges in Delaware where it was fine as long as the debtor approved it. It didn't need judicial imprimatur, but I don't want to be presumptive along those lines. So that procedure works for us. It's what works for your honor. If you would like to review it. I'd like to review it before it goes out. Excuse me, your honor? I'd like to review it before it goes out. Certainly. With that, your honor, any questions for me? I don't. Not now. Thank you. Your honor, I wasn't sure if we had the final version of that letter. That's okay. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Is it once you finalize? I don't, yeah, I don't want to see it until. Because I understand the committee hasn't approved it yet, correct? Uh, we, I believe the committee has approved the form of the letter, but we're not yet positioned to announce that we're publicly supporting, right. so we have some things that we have to do first. Um, assuming that we get to that point, then we would, I would be authorized to tender it to the debtors for participation or otherwise publicize it. But if your honor wants, it believes that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Should we do it under sort of a certification of counsel or, or notice? A notice is fine. Okay, and then um, as long, well, I want to be sure that it, whatever order we're, we're doing or today with the main book. I'm a little bit confused procedurally. I notice it up, or do I file a motion for a motion for further relief and prosecute? Your Honor, if, if you're inclined to approve the letter, we can include it as number five as a proposed form of order as an exhibit. Yeah, I just want to see it. Um, yes, let's walk through them, and I understand that Anchor Coin still has an open issue, but let's walk through the change. Okay. Bear with me just a second. Okay. Um, in 1.101, uh, this is a change by the committee as well as the word signers. It's just clarifying um, Sandy F. Wallet causes of action and it's the scope of that. Um, but we've also uh, 
terrifying changes. Um, okay, I, I'm seeing that they're not doing the bidding for the scrap. So when you file the friend um, after this hearing, I'll make it, I'll make it a committee. But essentially, if uh, in the line down better asset for A, um, with respect to the cryptocurrency and the 98 wallet, insurance policies in C and the books and records in F. Um, we had a, a qualifier that unless it uh, does something to the contrary in the plan supplement, a plan supplement document or the restructuring and transactions memorandum just to account for you know, whatever the transaction ends up looking like, maybe there's a policy that needs to stay with, you know, with the buyer. Or um, you know, if the if the buyer if the cash provided by the buyer satisfies all of the claims, um, they should be able to retain the 98 wallet with access, things like that. So just to sort of caveat it, make sure that it's not we're not you know misrepresenting anything. Uh, number one point one six eight is another. I mean, I understand what the papers say, but on a more granular level, who are the creditors in the, the three classes? The cl class three and its subclasses. So the, the it's the general unsecured creditors right. for the debtor, each debtor, and it's the trade creditors and our customers. Right. So it's, do, are there many trade creditors? Or is this primarily customers? I think it's between the amount of trade debt and Can, before you get there, um, can I just ask you, because we're here, mm -hmm. what, explain to me the convenience class, so class we, four. So what we've learned is that we have a number, a large amount actually of claims that are very small and reasonable as creditors, but some of them have very small claims. 
and we wanted to give them the opportunity to select, elect to have their convenience pass so they, they can get their money faster, they don't have to participate in the claims reconciliation process or anything like that. And we thought that given sort of the nature of crypto and the, the, the diverse cryptocurrency holder body, um, that this might be attractive to people with lower But it doesn't, does it identify the amount? Uh, yes. I'm sorry, I'm, I must have missed um, it. And maybe it's a definition. Uh, no, I think it's just not in this red line that you, because it's easy to change pages, but it is in, the red line that we filed this morning Yes, that's three hundred dollars. Oh, okay. And just for context, that there's you know more than twenty twenty thousand claims that we generated uh, through that mechanism. So, of course, the administrative costs of not getting it back came into a lot of it. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Okay, I think you're at 6.6 maybe? Um, yes, okay, so uh, I'll just briefly at the top, uh, in a prior version we had given the Players Committee pretty broad consent rights, um, and including with respect to uh, potentially adverse past consequences to their constituents. And what we've added here is um, that, well, we added that we can't reduce any of the consent rights under the plan, even though we can grant them more, we can't pull them back. of non-release DML claims to include um, you know, causes of action related to uh, redemption of equity by the debtors. Um, I don't have a, a lot of details on, on it, but um, we agree that that would be appropriate. And so a lot of these changes are to clarify that and also to, um, at the end of that paragraph, to talk about what we discussed today with respect to the performance action for directors and officers. Changes to the prior 
Yes, please. with me a second. On page 87, I think of the, each of the release professionals is duplicative of the preceding page, bullet point six. Oh, they're exculpated. I'm sorry. No, no, I, that was my misreading, sorry. What happens when you publicly read things? Okay. I do not. Um, actually, I don't really want to discuss the order until we go through objections. And um, I also would like an explanation on the liquidation analysis because I don't understand it. And I understand that that's for another day in terms, but I need to determine that this is, that I don't have a feasibility issue that would preclude solicitation. 
much better job than I did. And maybe we should just wait till we hear from an objector. Um, but at some point, I'm going to want to hear from it on it. But I want to hear from objectors first. So um, I think where we left off with respect to objections was anchor coin um, still having an open issue. Um, with respect to what was being disclosed with respect to investigation. Is that correct? Yes, Your Honor. Um, so this campaign ended today. Text message went out last week. I do think that the changes to, uh, this is ID 6.9, changing the card off from the current debtors, current directors and officers being released for only the 90 active wallets, Causes of action to the broader all claims and causes of action. Um, going through that just now is very helpful to see uh, more specifically. So, my understanding then is that the only thing the current directors and officers are being released for is the ordinary course of these avoidance actions. And so, with that, Your Honor, I think we can stand down on the need more information on the investigation because those investigations are not being released. Okay. And is that, that her understanding is correct? It's a toggle they release. I'm sorry, Mr. Stark. I can't hear you. You were. Oh, oh, are you talking? Oh, do you need a minute? No, no. Oh. So, so he was asking if it was related to the release of the exculpations. I think the exculpations related to, you know, post petition activities. That's not a concern. Our concerns with the release um, and hearing that if the investigation shows that a, a current director and officer is not liable for a 98X wallet cause of action, I think it comes back to our, you know, our client and other creditors' concern of how do we know what that investigation entails, what causes and claims of action were looked at and evaluated and found to not be liable for if you know, we're agreeing to accept a claim that, that would release them before we know the outcome of what steps were taken. I don't think that's what the plan says, though. My point was not that they're being released. It was that if they're not liable for these 98X wallet issues, then they're off the hook. That's all. So 
highly that you know they weren't pursuing no knowledge, nothing with the, these issues, then they're they're just not liable. It's not a release. It's just you that were tightly backed at this point. You're saying under the plan they are not released. If there's subsequent litigation post effective date and they are found not liable, it is what it is. Exactly. But they are not getting a release. No. Okay. <laughs> With that representation, Your Honor, that they are not released, it's just a matter of if they're found liable or not the prejudice is resolved. Okay. Thank you. Other objectors. John Weiss uh, of Patchman Water Hayden on behalf of both Tiki Labs Inc. and Allegheny Casualty Company. Good afternoon, uh, Mr. Weiss. Thank you, Judge Nichols. Uh, the, uh, with respect to Allegheny Casualty, whom I'll speak for uh, today, and then I will uh, cede the podium to my co-counsel, Tracy Shaproth from the Keller Benvenuti Fund. With respect to Allegheny Casualty, uh, we appreciate the debtors adding the secured class to the plan. We do have issues that we'll have to address in connection with the plan with respect to overall treatment and collateral that we're holding, et cetera. Um, we anticipate continuing to work with the debtors. Those discussions have begun, and we'll simply reserve rights vis-a-vis uh, -vis plan issues uh, to be addressed at that time if necessary. And uh, other than that, if I could just turn the podium over, please, to my co-counsel. And uh, with, with that introduction, um, I believe she'll be speaking for Trace Tiki Labs. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Anna. Ms. Schaffer? Did I Ms. Schaffer, thank you, Your Honor. I'm sorry, pronounce that again? Uh, Tracy Schaffer. Okay, good afternoon. Um, good afternoon, Your Honor. Uh, I'm with Keller Benvenuti Kim LLP. Um, as Mr. Weiss uh, mentioned, we represent Tiki Labs Incorporated doing business as Audius Incorporated. Um, so we appreciate all of the work that the debtors have done to address the objections to the extent they can at this point. It's statement, but we did want to make sure we pre preserved our rights with respect to those objections. Tiki Labs holds a significant amount of cryptocurrency in a customer custody account. And so the determination of non-estate assets and the account treatment issues are of paramount importance to Tiki. Um, we appreciate that the debtors added language making it clear that they would not take tokens subject to customer agreement without a court order. But at this point, without an understanding of the debtors, you know, the debtors have not taken a position yet on whether customer custody accounts or the cryptocurrencies in those accounts are state property and how those will be treated. So without that information, Tiki Labs doesn't have adequate information to be able to make an informed vote on the plan. Um, so at this point, we just wanted to make sure that we preserve Tiki Labs uh, rights to raise those objections to the adequacy of the information um, in, in conjunction with the final approval of the disclosure statement and the confirmation of the plan. Bear with me a second. <clears throat> Let me ask the debtors. I, I'm looking at Local Rule 37C2, 
objections not made at the time of the hearing on voting procedures, form and notice, and form of ballot aren't considered at the time of confirmation? Is it the debtor's position that Tiki can reserve its right with respect to customer accounts to the hearing, at the confirmation hearing, to address the adequacy of the disclosure statement? Uh, does the U.S. trustee have any issue with that position or this committee? Yes, Joseph Cudio for the United States trustee. Yes, and again, I did want to thank debtors' counsel for working with us uh, to get most of our issues resolved. As far as the disclosure statement issues, they are resolved. As far as we're concerned, we do want to reserve our rights as far as confirmation issues, which we do have some. But again, uh, a lot of hard work on their part. Okay. But as to Tiki, the U.S. trustee doesn't take a position whether those issues are reserved regarding adequacy of the disclosure statement. Uh, no, we're not taking a position. Okay, terrific. Thank you. And Mr. Kudia, let me thank you. I can tell the U.S. trustee had a hand in many of the modifications, and I appreciate that. Your Honor, as far as the committee is concerned, we're, both, we're perfectly fine with the preservation of rights when it comes to these types of things. Okay. Were there any other issues with respect to Tiki? No, that was it, Your Honor. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Others Your Honor, this is, yes. this is David Newman uh, on behalf of Coinbix. Um, I filed a joinder to Ms. Shafroth's um, uh, objection. It was just very well written and really encapsulated the concerns that my client has. Um, we... My client and its users uh, are the owners of about a, a little over 100 um, Bitcoins out of, I believe, a pool of 300 Bitcoins that the debtors have under their trust, um, under, our, uh, under various trust agreements. And um, our only concern is that we, we know that, as far as we can tell from the disclosure statement, that Bitcoin, BTC, was never involved at all in this wallet issue. Um, and so um, our concern is without knowing the timing of the supplement and then knowing at least a, a, a statement as to where the um, the matter is currently, just where the investigation is, is it ongoing, um, what, what stage it's at. Um, it's really hard to um, get over our objections to the fact that, that our ownership in BTC and uh, and the the process with regards to resolving the ownership issues as to BTC are not disclosed in any way in the disclosure statement um, as those BTC issues, the Bitcoin issues, are unique to Bitcoin holders. Um, as it doesn't seem like anything was that any issues in this case affected the BTC. Um, uh, um, the BTC rights under the Fireblocks technology that was used to maintain wallets in this case. Let me hear from the debtors.
supplement the disclosure statement with or have additional details. But at the time, I can't put more information in if I don't have it. Mr. Stark, yes. That's sufficient. That's sufficient for us, Your Honor. So I would encourage you to continue to talk, and your issue is reserved for the final hearing. We will, Your Honor. With that, would you like to turn to the order? No, actually, sorry. And let me just reiterate to Mr. Newman, today's approval of a disclosure statement would be only on the interim basis. So it will be readdressed. Your Honor, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity to appear before you. I do appreciate it. Certainly. I would like explanation. I appreciate liquidity. I mean, the liquidation analysis is not before me today, but I could not or did not understand, and I'm afraid I didn't bring it out here with me, how parties or creditors received more in an 11 than a 7 based on the analysis that was attached. With Your Honor's permission, I would ask Mr. Murphy to come to the podium and walk around the table. Okay. Could you just wait a second while I find the report that was actually provided? I can't find my copy of the report. That's all. Just give me a second. I have it. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Good afternoon. Wait one second. Maddie, can you give me Mr. Murphy? Since he's a financial advisor, I'm going to have him sworn in. You can stand there, sir, but you're going to be sworn in. Could you please raise your right hand? Do you affirm your word that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to the best of your knowledge and ability? Yes. And could you please state your full name and spell your last name for the record? William C. Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Murphy. I had a question about the liquidation analysis because I don't appreciate how – I understand this says there would be – a creditor would receive more in 11 than a 7, but I don't understand 
based on the numbers that are attached. Um, particularly, I'm looking at the Chapter 11 orderly wind down that's on page 13 of 14 versus the Chapter 7 liquidation that's on page 14 of 14 where it reflects an 81.4% recovery as a mid-case to Chapter 7, and yet if I look at the Chapter 11 orderly wind down, it breaks it out for customer claims, trade, convenience, contracts, and it seems to be a lesser percentage to me. I'd like to recalculate that, Your Honor. That, that is a, that's an error. Oh, okay, because I'm like, uh, yeah. all right. You know what, would it be helpful if we took a quick break? Yes. Okay, all right. All right, that would be very helpful um, because I didn't want to make a representation about something being patently unconfirmable if there's an error. So why don't we take um, 10 minutes? Okay, all right, let's take a, we'll stand in recess for 10 minutes.
Okay. And uh, I'll explain it, but we'll file a, an updated, corrected version that goes into the disclosure statement that will be solicited with your permission. Okay. All right. Hold on one second. So, I'm sorry. I was writing with a dead pen. So, it should be 68.2 with respect to Chapter 11 orderly wind down, and then with respect to Chapter 7 liquidation, it should be what? 66.9, that replaces what number? The 81.4? Yes, um, I can't see it. <laughs> yes. Okay, just want to make sure. I was. So, wait a minute. So it's 68.2 recovery under 11 and 81.4 under 7? No, so the 81.4 is not, I think that's, uh, no, that's not correct. It should be 66.9. And the 70% oh. is convenience class uh, in 11, which is right above it. So the 81.4 6.9, so it's the differential between 68.2 and 66, so it's a 2% differential. All right, thank you for that clarity. I appreciate it. Let me ask before we proceed any further, is there anyone else who wishes to be heard with respect to the solicitation motion, the disclosure statement, or the proposed form of order? Okay, I hear none. Let's proceed forward with the order. I did review them. Bear with me a second. I have a lot of paper. I have a preemptive change. I work on during break. Well, I have my comments typed out, so I might have to work with you a little bit on what paragraph because the when the revised was filed it changed the page numbers and I made my comments last night, but I did look at it this okay. morning, what was filed. Yeah, do you know the docket number? I'm just going to pull it up right now. So I. It's 252, and the red line starts at, it's 252-2. Okay. I think this will be probably more efficient. 
So I can tell you as probably the biggest issue that I have, and it's going to change a lot of things, is that the schedule doesn't work because of two fundamental things. <laughs> One, November 10 is a court holiday. The court is closed. I apologize. No, it's okay. And as a consequence, I, the earliest I can schedule something is November 14 at 1 o'clock. So that's going to kind of trigger some date changes. But the other um, fundamental issue I had is that I am I'm going to require compliance with the local rule regarding the plan supplement. This is a very big issue often expressed by the United States Trustee's Office that plan supplements have to be in seven days, the earlier of the deadline to vote or the deadline to reject a plan. And in this case, it's just it's too close. It would have to be your plan so supplements, if you maintain this schedule, it's going to have to be filed by October 27th. Right, and that's exactly where we landed. Oh, okay, so terrific. Um, in the, in the break, during the break, we landed at moving that to the 27th. Um, the, the hearings on the 14th, that might shift down a bit, just to, you know. Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to keep it. Um, so if we have a hearing on the 14th, I'm working back up, but if you have the hearing at 14, the 14th at 1, your agenda is going to be due the 9th at noon. Mm -hmm. So your brief declarations, et cetera, have to be the 8th at 4 o'clock. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you want to work. I think so. The only other question I had, and, and I can be convinced on this, but the debtor in this case, okay, so the bar date hasn't occurred yet, right? I mean, it, we have a bar date, but it has expired. And the debtor just filed, or I entered an order, allowing the filing of the schedules as late as October um, 10th. Remember, we did file our schedules. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, so 3018 is not going to be an issue then. I had a concern with 3018, and I had a concern with tabulation. So they are. I remember when, because it seems like it was a million years ago. Okay. All right. I didn't check. I just knew I entered an order that provided for a later date. Okay, all right, so with respect to the order itself, let me, I want to, I didn't know if you need to update the intro to address your revised documents. Yes, Oh, that would be terrific. Plan, so we'll include those docket numbers just to make everything a little bit super clear. So let me get your most recent order. Do you know the docket number? I think you just said it. Of the most recent, oh, of the order, the mm -hmm. 252? Mm -hmm. We also have a copy of the original too. Oh, that would be great.
Oh, it, it does it for, yeah, thank you. <coughs> I know you all have been working really hard. This is the most colorful black line I think I've ever seen. And it obviously reflects a lot of work going into it. Um, okay, so I didn't you know if you need to update. I think you do say amended as amended or supplemented, so probably not necessary. Um, when paragraph A, I'm going to make, I'm not making any change to the order. I'm just telling you on the ballot, voting ballots, I'm going to ask you to make a modification. But I'll wait till we get there. Um, so paragraph 3, have to modify the confirmation hearing date. You're going to have to modify dates in paragraph four, the disclosure statement, um, objection, and plan objection deadline. Paragraph six, no change needed, but I am going to, like I said, make an edit to the balance. Um, ballots, excuse me. The confirmation schedule, as we just discussed, as long as you update to reflect the plan supplement date and the actual hearing date. Okay, um, paragraph 10, how are solicitation materials with respect to the voting class are primarily email, correct? Mm -hmm. That's not right. We try to okay, so my question is, and I know this is really granular, but is this going to be a single email with PDFs in it, or is it going to be like, multiple PDFs attached to a file, and, and the, my thinking here goes to the ballot, and we'll get to that in a minute. Like, is... So my understanding is it's going to be separate PDFs so that they don't have to fish around for the ballot. So it'll be a PDF of the plan, the disclosure statement, and then the appropriate ballot. Okay. All right. That... Oh, so they'll get both? Yeah, so hyperlinks and the other, um, in some of the exhibits to the order, we had a hyperlink um, and to give our PDFs to submitters. Um, due to cost, um, they wanted us to list out the relief parties in, in a lot of places, and we did in a lot of places, but certain places we needed to hyperlink, and that's the ballot. But we do, oh. all, all we have to do is click on it, and then they can see all of the releases, and there'll be a PDF. Okay. And is there a hyperlink? Like, if you want to do electronic balloting, you can do it. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. Well, in paragraph 11, and I know we discussed this at, at the um, last hearing about return email and mailing. I would just ask that there be a commercially reasonable effort to resend a ballot that comes back. And paragraph 12, we'll have to update. Well, I guess it's now paragraph 13. The voting deadline. Mm -hmm. And paragraph 
14, you just answered the question I had. Um, 15, I don't know if your voting declaration deadline is going to change with the change in the hearing date. And the same, um, just so you know, there are two paragraph 15s in this order. When it was black lined, it wasn't before. It just became that, that way this today. And so we, it may just reflect that way on the black line, but yeah. Um, And of course, the plan supplement date is going to have to change. All right, here's my comment with respect to the ballot, and this is my last comment. I permit um, opt-out, and but I'm always concerned that it be obvious early in the ballot, not on page seven or eight, that there's an opt-out contained within the document. So I just think there should be a more prominent disclosure of the release opt-out on the front of the ballot. And I don't know if it goes in the title. I'll leave it to your discretion, but I want it to be obvious. And then um, on the ballots, <coughs> and I appreciate that's in the notice, and the reason I mean, that's the reason I ask about how this was being presented in an email. But with respect to the ballots, the release language is in here, but not the definition. But I think you're telling me now that you edit it for that. We, this is where we added the hyperlink that they can click on when they have their ballot, and it goes directly to the current version of the releases. Okay. It's a separate PDF that like, they'll go directly to it. They don't have to, it's not sending them to the plan tab, go find it. It's not sending them to the whole plan. It's sending them directly to that language. Okay. And All right. With the timeline, one of the comments from one of the chief's office was that we put the the chart with all the dates and deadlines in uh, the confirmation hearing notice, and uh, given our you know, cost concerns, um, we suggested a hyperlink to that schedule as well, in, in lieu of doing that. And for the per and for purposes of the record, these are people who have chose to do business with the debtor via email. Mr. Kudia, do you have, does the U.S. Trustee have any issue with this process? Um, no, Your Honor. Okay. Um, does anyone else wish to be heard with respect to the form of order and the comments we just addressed? Okay. Having not heard any comments, I'm satisfied the debtors carried its burden and the relief sought in the motion is appropriate, um, subject to the modifications that we discussed here this afternoon. Specifically, in accordance with Local Rule 3017-2, um, I will grant the motion and approve the disclosure statement on an interim basis um, with the reservations that were set forth on the record today. Um, the solicitation procedures to be utilized, the form of notice, a confirmation hearing, and ballots, and approve the revised schedule. So if you could submit that under certification of counsel, um, we'll get it approved. Yes, Your Honor. Certainly. All right. Thank you all. I appreciate um, everyone's time this afternoon and let me I do appreciate this has been very fluid and I understand the amount of work that went into this and I do appreciate the parties working together thank you all have a great afternoon we stand adjourned